It is Friday, April the 29th. Welcome, everybody, to your post-daily news show. I am John Pollock here with you for the next uh, 20 minutes or so to get everybody caught up on what is going on in the world of professional wrestling. And there is a ton. And I cannot do it all alone. So joining us, Karen Peterson from the site, joining us here on this day where we have crowned the, the Cinderella Tournament winner, the largest field in the history of the Cinderella Tournament. And man, is there a lot going on, Karen. How are you today? I'm wonderful, but it's very much a TGIF kind of Friday. <laughs> I'm just looking at this schedule this weekend, and it's just, I, I joke about this all the time that, you know, sometimes we would look at, man, that's going to be a crazy weekend coming up. Now it's every weekend that is that is like this. Yeah. Like we had Stardom and Noah this morning. We've got like AAA this weekend, PWG, New Japan at like a Fukuoka Dome. It's just nonstop on top there's of There's Noah all- tomorrow too, right? Like they're, oh. doing, they're doing a double header. It's just, it's, it's wild. It's just, there's so much uh, to go over, but uh, we wanted to bring you on to chat about the uh, the Cinderella finals. We were down to the final four going into today's show. And uh, just looking at the attendance announced, uh, over 2,000 people announced at uh, Oda Ward City Gymnasium in Tokyo. Um, this continues a pattern of like stardom's big shows um, doing very, very healthy crowds. That's the great thing about Stardom is that there's they're so they've been so consistent with great wrestling that they're even with the COVID restrictions still in place, even though they're easing a bit, they're still managing sellout crowds just about every single month when they're doing their big shows because it's, know- it's, it's become can't miss. Do you notice anything in terms of just like the response from the crowd compared to other Japanese audiences? Like that has been, you know, one of the consistencies throughout the pandemic is just that like the crowds, they, they cannot cheer. Do you sense like a more liveliness or is it kind of consistent across the board right now, regardless of which company you're watching? I think what helps stardom is the the concept of using having their always everyone has a second. So it, it regardless of what unit you're in, there's always somebody in the corner, whether it's the the, the rookies that are you know cleaning the ring and they're seconding or people from their own faction. So they're the ones that are banging on the mat. They're the ones who are screaming at the top of their lungs. They're the ones that are like amping up both the, the wrestlers and the audience. So it always feels like there's always a high energy, even like the, even though the audience can't always vocalize it. And like even tonight, or sorry, this morning with uh, Himeka versus Shuri, there was a point where it was, I mean, dead silent. But it was just because the two of them were so focused on trying to figure out what they were going to do that, like, everyone was just, like, waiting with, like, a bated breath, just, like, hope waiting for that next big moment to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and another aspect to, to stardom is that, you know, they have had their model for several years now, uh, sending people to stardom world. But now for a lot of their big shows, they are doing, the, you know, a pay-per-view component and then a several-day delay before it goes up on the streaming service amongst kind of the, the community that you are in contact with Karen, how has that been, been met with like the pay-per-view model and then having a wait if you're a subscriber? Is it, are you asking about the Japanese community or the Western community? Cause it's, I, there's two I, different approaches to it. I'd, I'd be curious about both. Uh, the Japanese community view it as not a necessary evil, but a way to, for those who can't travel to these big shows because they do sell out and mm-hmm. they do sell out often quickly that it gives them the opportunity to help the company with its growth. The problem is, is that for us as Western fans, when you have, for example, a subscription service like New Japan World, where all your big shows are included in that price, plus you get live broadcast included for less than $10 US, asking to shell out $40 monthly or mm-hmm. more than that monthly, if there's like a, du- a double header or more than one show in the same month, 
it's very, very expensive. So it, it's one of those things where, from what I gather, Stardom doesn't have the infrastructure technologically yet to do live streaming and include it in Stardom World. Basically, Stardom World is more of an archive style service as opposed to a live stream service. What I would hope for eventually someday in the future is that New Japan and Bushiroad and Stardom, they figure out all those broadcast contracts and manage to launch a platform that is akin to CyberFight, mm-hmm. which has DDT, NOAA, Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh, I think it's Basara and Gambari Pro, all under one roof for less than $10. Yeah, I think it's And that be- includes live streaming for almost every single event. Yeah, and we, we're seeing New Japan really toy with this as well with their U.S. events where that is an add-on if you are a New Japan World subscriber. And I think it's ultimately going to come down to if people are buying these pay-per-views, that's that's more revenue. If they feel like these services have kind of hit a peak, we're not going to grow that viewership. What are other ways to derive revenue? And it's it's going to be based on demand, obviously. I think the other sticking point for the foreign fan base is that, you know, when we use Fight TV or I think Bleacher Report and those those platforms, when you buy your, your digital ticket, you have access to that archive for as long as you have that account. Right. It's not time limited to three days and then it vaporizes <laughs> and then you have to go to Stardom World because then, then you, you, you're you essentially losing that access unless you subscribe to Stardom World. Um, so it, it's one of those things where there's been issues with regards to, you know, not uh, obtaining the live stream by nefarious means and... Um, but what you need to think about is if they're ever going to get to that plat to uh, be large enough to have the revenue to invest in the technology, they need to have the money there. So, I mean, Stardom, after being acquired from Bushiroad going into year two, they're in the black and they're doing great. But it's like there's always room for growth. So I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be like the more that the Western fan base throws their support, both physically and financially mm-hmm. <laughs> behind stardom it, it'll it'll push that opportunity more and show that there's a demand for it but i don't know how all those because broadcast contracts in japan are weird so it's one of those things where depending on how long new japan's contract with asahi television is and how long stardom's contract with nitele is and if they're ever going to find some common ground i mean we're kind of seeing like it lacing together slowly the more that um New, uh, sorry, that Stardom has exhibition matches on big New Japan programming. But it's like, I, I always go back to that Wrestle Kingdom 14 exhibition match that had Julia, Arisa, Hoshiki, Mayu, and Hana Kimura, and it's lost to the vapors. That's and right. it was such a great match. So I, I'm hoping that we're the more momentum that Stardom gets, the more that Bushiro will see that they, they need to start pushing towards a similar platform because I think they'll be able to reach a much wider audience when that happens. Uh, we are going to get uh, into the actual event. So for those that are watching, uh, we will be going through some spoilers here. So fair warning, uh, the event ha- has aired. And if you want to s- skip ahead, uh, this will be on uh, Stardom World in the uh, days to come. But uh, let's just chat about uh, the tournament, Karen, and uh, some of your thoughts on uh, who came out as as the victor of this large field of participants this year. It was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the outcome when it came down to the semifinal tournaments or matches in the tournament. You had, uh, the tag team of Fukuoka Double Crazy from Stars, which is Hazuki and Koguma. Now, personally, I 
figured that given the number of people or the the finalist pool that they had, Hazuki was going to be the one to go to the finals and win the whole thing. But that didn't happen. So I was happy to see Koguma get a win over Hazuki. But it always goes back to how I feel about how they book Koguma, where she's she's often inserted into matches to protect other people. So in this case, she advances to the finals, and then Natsupoi and Mirai have an absolute mm, mint mint match. I really loved it. Mirai locked in the uh, Miramare, which is basically her version of the Carrera lock, and Natsupoi had to decide if she wanted to keep her arm attached to her body or not. So when it became Mirai and Koguma, I, I'm excited for Mirai. When I, when I first found out about her in January, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. They're kind of like strapping the rocket onto her when they threw her into a World of Stardom match with Shuri less than three weeks of, after arriving. But, you know, she has a great story. She's from uh, the Tohoku area up in northern Japan and from an area that was greatly affected by the earthquake in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, her name alone, Mirai, means future. So, and she's part of the class of wrestlers that they're calling the golden generation. So it's like her and Saeeda, basically the next group of aces and villains that are going to be taking stardom into the future. And her her match with Koguma, oh man, I, I love Mariah and I love Koguma. I wanted Koguma to win so badly because stardom made a point earlier today before the ma- before the match to say, this is the second time Koguma has gone to the finals. So I was like, oh, maybe they're going to finally, you know, give the girl a win. But they didn't. No, no. <laughs> But I think that's also in part because she and Hazuki have a tag team match next Wednesday. Because no rest for the Wicked and Stardom. They're going on tour starting on Sunday for basically almost a week straight. Yeah, I mean, they wrap up and then it's, it's a pretty intense schedule uh, coming up. Uh, also, just wanted to touch upon uh, the main event with Shuri uh, retaining uh, the world of stardom title. And uh, where do you see this this direction going uh, as well with, with Mirai in terms of what comes out of this tournament for her? Mirai, uh, when she made her entrance after the main event, she had a beautiful blue dress. Um, for those who are wondering who the mystery sensei was that was t- teaching stars, it wasn't Kagetsu and it wasn't Milano AT. It turned out to be Yuji Nagata, Blue Justice. And during her entrance for the main event, she had a, a cheering poster that she made for Nagata when he came to their region back in 2019. And she walked over to commentary and handed it to him. So I think she's going to be ear- definitely earmarked. She could be your next Utami. She could be your next Mayu, they've got plans for her. Um, but, uh, uh, sorry, Shuri versus Himeka. We saw a side of Himeka today that I wasn't expecting. This is the kind of like match I had waited to see out of her. She's, she's gone. She's done great before going to the finals of the five star grand prix two years ago. Um, but it was one of those things where I kept waiting for Himeka to be, to step out of Julia's shadow. That's mm-hmm. the hard thing about a, f- a faction that's like Della Donna Del Mundo. When you have a, a character or a leader like Julia, she's a big personality. And I think finally Himeka took a stride to put everyone on notice that, yes, Julia may be the leader, but I'm here too. And you mentioned uh, May 15th is their next uh, major show. What is the next uh, month or so looking like uh, for, for stardom, especially for maybe newer viewers that checked into the Cinderella tournament? What are kind of like the, the key dates to the look forward to? The key dates coming up on May 5th, next Wednesday, is the Fukuoka Goddess Festival. Um, your main event will see Saya Kamatani defending against hometown hero, Micah. 
And then Dark Desire, sorry, Black Desire with Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe will be defending the Goddesses of Stardom tag team titles against Fukuoka Double Crazy, which is the, that's where the Hazuki and Koguma are coming in. Interestingly enough, I believe Tekla has an SWA World Championship defense against Mayu Iwatani. Now, the SWA belt could be, some might say, a key to a one uh, forbidden door, as it were, because it's a championship that ha- has to be def- defended against somebody of a different nationality. So Tekla being Austrian, she has a lot of movement around in the company because there aren't other foreigners in in uh, stardom right now. Mm-hmm. Mayu, is, is she's going after that complete grand slam. So she wants the SWA championship because she wants to start defending it. And she keeps hinting that she wants to not maybe possibly make it elevated to the point that wrestlers from other parts of the world want to come back to stardom and fight for it. Or possibly maybe start going places. We'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's next Wednesday. But starting on Sunday, the 1st through the 8th, they're doing the whole Golden Week. Like almost every single day, they have a tour stop. Um, and then the 13th of May is New Blood 2. It's their rookie invitational. So they're going to have a special card for that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, guests from other companies like they had the one back in March. So it'll be there's people from Just Tap Out, Marvelous, Diana, many, many places. And then earlier today, a there was an X originally announced for the main event. It was going to be a six woman tag and Say- uh, sorry, Mina Shirakawa and Unagi Sayaka had a third person. They've been feuding with uh, Diana's Haruka Umesaki. For the last month since the they were eliminated in the Cinderella, Cinderella Rumble. Before the show today, they actually went to Diana and challenged for the tag titles, which, of which Umesaki is one of the tag team champions. It ended in a time limit draw. So basically, they decided to go pick a fight backstage. Like, you know what? Are you frustrated? We're frustrated too. Are you fine with it being a draw as a successful defense? I don't think so. You're going to come with us on May 13th. You're going to be our partner and you're going to f- fight Oedo o- o- Tai with us. Now, the person who's leading Oedo Tai's unit for this particular match on that show is Starlight Kid. Mm-hmm. And Ume, uh, uh, sorry, Haruka Umesaki and Starlight Kid, they've fought before in as- Assemble and on different, sh- in, in like one other show. So it's, it's kind of exciting to see that their stardom's. They're they're not they're not doing they're doing sorry let me try that again they're doing more of what a lot of the smaller and independent promotions in women's wrestling in Japan are doing they're throwing down the welcome mat and they're accepting anyone willing to show up prominence is a prime example Shuri after her main event with Himeka uh, called out prominence's leader Risa Sara and as her next challenger for the end of the month on the I think it's the twenty eighth of May so there's there's three shows happening in may alone and they'll make that'll be the world of stardom championship defense for her in that month then we go into june then it's the five-star grand prix they announced on the first of october will be the finals of the five-star grand prix so their calendar is filling up really quick yes and it it would be great if there was like one 
one place you, you could go to get all of this. So uh, stay tuned, everybody, for uh, for the rest of this show. But we have uh, some other news to go through, uh, and we'll stick in Japan because uh, Noah uh, kicked off their first of two nights at uh, Sumo Hall in front of a. Uh, Almost 1,600 fans for uh, the first night, which was largely built around the the junior heavyweights, uh, with Hayata retaining the junior heavyweight title, beating Ada, and then uh, Yoshinari Ogawa and Chris Ridgway winning the GHC junior heavyweight tag titles against Atsushi Kotoge and Yohei. Uh, so uh, Ridgway winning uh, the championship for the first time in his career. It also saw the, the arrival of Ninja Mac winning a, a three-way match, a, an elimination match essentially over Alpha Wolf and Dragon Bane. And then they come back on Saturday, uh, late tonight, 2 a.m. Eastern, and it is confirmed now Go Shiozaki will take on Kaito Kiyomiya for the vacant GHC heavyweight title. And I'm very interested to see what direction they go here, uh, Karen, because uh, Kiyomiya, we have talked about. I think there was a big focus on him. Really, he has been the project uh, going back to 2018. And it was, I don't think he got a whole lot out of the, the Mudo affiliation last year. But you're yeah. in a position here where... You either go with the, the tried and true in Goshiozaki, or it's the second opportunity with Kaido Kiyomiya uh, running with this title. I I would hope that this is like a course change, and it's not just holding the belt warm until Fujita's ready and you get right back onto plans. I think this is an opportunity to kind of branch away from from that direction they were going. If I were booking Noah, <laughs> I think my as much as I love Goshiozaki. He's he's like your Tanahashi. You can slot him in wherever there's going to be a great match. You can depend on him. But they really genuinely need to start focusing on the future of the company. And, you know, at the New Japan versus Noah show back in January, it was hard to watch Kiyomiya eat that loss. So it's it's one of those things where this is the prime opportunity to make 2022 Kiyomiya's year. Mm-hmm. Shiozaki's held the belt. He doesn't need. He doesn't need it. It's nice when he has it, but it's he doesn't need it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be the the most newsworthy uh, match coming out of a uh, Saturday show for sure. And just a quick thing, as Karen mentioned, uh, with, with Golden Week, that will feature the finals of the Champion Carnival. And uh, coming out of today's uh, B Block final, it is Yuma Aoyagi who won the block. Uh, him and Kento Miyahara went to a thirty minute draw. So going into it, Aoyagi was a point up and thus wins the B Block and will face uh, Jake Lee last year's champion carnival winner. So a lot of tournaments going down, Karen, and we will get the uh, the conclusion to that. And whoever comes out of that to challenge uh, Kento Miyahara, really, you have set up Jake Lee uh, going against Kento Miyahara to win the title he never lost. And you have Aoyagi going the time limit with Kento Miyahara. You have essentially two matches here uh, that you could go with. You could have Lee win and still do uh, another Aoyagi-Miyahara match down the road. And if I remember correctly, when Suwama had to vacate the championship last year, the three of them had to mm. do like the best of two, best of three falls match to see who ended up winning it. That's right. So it's one of those things where it's like I feel like they're looping back to that without having to do the same trying love triangle format for it. But I'm very excited to see Yuma Aoyagi versus Jake Lee because they're two of my favorites. So <laughs> I'm very invested in the final. <laughs> Uh, a few other notes here. Uh, just going back to Wednesday, AEW Dynamite. They were fourth for the night, only behind the NBA with 921,000 viewers and then a .33 in the 18 to 49 demo, uh, down 12%. Uh, but this was also, uh, of course, going against the NBA, um, lower than they were last week. Uh, I'm curious, Karen, on Wednesday night, were you watching Dynamite? Were you watching the NBA? Were you watching something else? 
I was actually at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I'm oh, learning. That, that's I'm the learning. best answer. <laughs> I was rolling around on the mat and sweating because it's Florida. It's summer has arrived. It's like 80 degrees with 90% humidity. So I was sweating my, my, I'm trying to get abs by summer. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I did go back and watch the uh, street fight between Sheeta and Serena Deeb. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, that match ended the way it needed to. Only because Hikaru Shida has a very loaded plate for Golden Week. She's working like almost every single day next week. So it was a great way to write her off a of TV so she could come back to Japan and basically work like four or five shows in succession, like rapid fire, one one match a day. We were talking about this on Wednesday night, just in terms of where you go. Obviously, Serena Deeb is poised to be the next uh, contender for Thunder Rosa. But with Hikaru Shida, like, do you see her staying in the in this role in AEW? Do you see them changing the character around at all? And how do you feel Hikaru Shida overall is performing in AEW and how it's coming across? Uh, I think Hikaru Shida has grown substantially as a wrestler since she's joined AEW and she's been living here in the States. Um, I think... Serena Deeb is going to be a great challenger for Thunder Rosa. I'm hoping Thunder Rosa keeps the championship because I'm a, I've waited way like hangman page winning the championship. I waited far too long for Thunder Rosa to become champion for Hikaru Shida. I think she's also serving more of an ambassadorial role bridging Mm -hmm. between Japan and the United States between, I mean, she has the advantage of being a freelancer and not tied down to any one Japanese promotion. So she's able to like float around and go to all these different places. Um, Would I like to see her in the main event scene? Yes, eventually. But I feel like there are other women that need that opportunity first. I'd love to see Ruby Soho tangle up. I keep waiting for her to get tangled up in all of it. Um, So it's one of those things where I, it goes back to the, the booking of AEW's women's division. I need more direction in it to be very invested in it. But I also think if they're going to keep bringing over talent from Japan, Shida is a good one to help her and Emi Sakura both are great avenues to help those talents get a, a claim to life here in the United States. Or if there's here temporarily showing them how, how things are done here, because how we tape TV for wrestling in the States is different from how they do things in Japan. So I think, I think she can grow and be a leader, especially for the international talent. Okay, so we will just quickly look at some of the uh, some of the events happening uh, this weekend. So tonight, SmackDown, it's a rare taped edition of the show that they did last week in Albany, New York, with uh, Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn in a steel cage match, Charlotte and Ronda in individual beat-the-clock challenges, Ricochet against Shanky happening tonight. The, we- <laughs> the week-long wait is over. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez in action, Naomi against Shayna Baszler, Ridge Holland against Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston against Sheamus. Uh, over on TNT for Rampage, we have uh, the Swerve Strickland-Darby Allen match to qualify for the Owen Hart Cup. Jade Cargill, Red Velvet, and Kiara Hogan against Sky Blue, Trisha Dora, and Willow Nightingale. Colton Gunn against Keith Lee. Samoa Joe against Trent Beretta for the ROH TV title. And a face-to-face confrontation between Hook and Danhausen tonight. So that is our, our three hours uh, coming up tonight. And a programming note here at Post Wrestling. Way and I will not be live tonight, but we will have Rewind to SmackDown dropping on Saturday afternoon, uh, going through both of these shows and whatever else, whatever other news is happening in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, 
Triple A has their Triple Mania card on Saturday night, which features the return of Ray Phoenix teaming with El Hijo Del Vikingo against the Young Bucks. This will be Phoenix's first match since that nasty elbow injury he sustained at the beginning of January and has been a significant period that Phoenix has been out for, Karen, compared to, you know, the early indications that it would not be as long. But, you know, you saw the brace on on Wednesday when he appeared and you're coming right back into the deep end where this is headlining the card and there are going to be enormous expectations for this match um, on Saturday night. The thing about, uh, about Phoenix is that he doesn't, he, he can work around the fact that he doesn't have a hundred percent arm. <laughs> he, he moves fast enough. It'll be a great match. Will I, will I be a little worried about it? Of course. I'm always worried when somebody comes back from injury because you know, th- there is the, where there are complications involved. Is it co- absolutely completely healed or are they just saying it's healed so they can move on with their lives? So, but I think they'll have an amazing match regardless. I'll tell you what I'm worried about, Karen, is this roulette of death match where <laughs> it's eight masked wrestlers and the losers advance and the ultimate loser get gets unmasked with the uh, tournament continuing in June and October. Uh, but the first round kicks off on Saturday with Psycho Clown against 69-year-old Kinect. Rayo de Jalisco Jr. at the age of 62 takes on the young spry 55-year-old Blue Demon Jr. L.A. Park against Volano 4, 56 and 57 respectively. And then... Pentagon Junior versus Ultimo Dragon, uh, rounding out the the tournament. This is going <laughs> that, to be that's that's quite the um the the average age is very it's, it's a little higher than I expected. And I I maintain this this being uh, a, a tournament that is all built around this mask. I I think there's a decent percentage chance none of these eight unmask at the end of this whole tournament. I mean, I it is possible. We will see what happens. And uh, the last thing I want to get your thoughts on is Wrestling Dontaku on Sunday, Sunday morning, uh, with some changes to the card after a positive COVID test for Will Ospreay and Tatsumi Fujinami. So Tanahashi will now be taking on Tomohiro Ishii, who everyone recalls has been in the U.S. for this long stay. So the man is flying home to Japan to do this, and then he's going to get right back on a plane and come back because next weekend he's got Josh Alexander for the Under Siege card and then the Washington, D.C. show the weekend after that. Um, so that is uh, for the vacant U.S. title. Uh, it will be headlined by Okada and Naito, their third singles meeting this year. We have El Desperado against Taiji Shimori for the junior heavyweight title, Evil and Tamatonga for the never openweight championship Cobb and Great Okan defending the IWGP tag titles against Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, as well as Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. Taguchi and Master Wato against Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Doki for the junior heavyweight tag titles. Tangaloa against Yujiro. Hiromu against Yo. And then in the opener, Shingo Takagi, Bushi, and a mystery man against Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, and Takamichinoku. A deep card from New Japan on Sunday at the Fukuoka Pepe Dome. I'm very excited for that card, and I'm excited for people to see that venue as well. Because when I, in a previous in a previous life, I used to work flights that would go to Fukuoka, and I've been to baseball games in the Pepe Dome. It is, I personally might say I like it more than the Tokyo Dome, but that's just personal preference because it's by the beach. But- I don't think that's a hot take. Like, being the, <laughs> I'll say this about the Tokyo Dome. I've said it before. It's something. It should be on everyone's bucket list to say, "Hey, I went to a show at the Tokyo Dome." You do not have to go a second time to the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Like it is, it is like the Sky Dome, Rogers Center here in Toronto, where it's you're inside. It's like, yeah, this is like a giant warehouse. It's it's nice, but it's it's still drafty in the middle of December. It's not warm at all. <laughs> I'll take any of the smaller, intimate venues any day of the week over yeah. the Tokyo Dome. 
Um, I am excited to see what becomes of Yo versus Hiromu. Mm-hmm. Because for some reason, I guess Hiromu calling Yo out and saying, are you sure you're even going to be in the Super Juniors this year? Because you're just you're just coasting with the ex- expecting to be announced. What happens if you're not going to be in it? And I think that flipped a switch in Yo, something that a lot of us have been waiting for. Because ever since his feud with Sho, he's he's spiraled backwards from the momentum he had in last year's Super Juniors. So I'm very, that's a match. But personally, I, I love best of the Super Juniors is the most wonderful time of the year for me. I'm sad that I can't go again this year, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's, it's, I need that switch to be flipped. And then, you know, you have Tanahashi versus Ishii world traveler Tomohiro Ishii with his like bike by continental <laughs> living situation. I don't know what's going on, but I'm excited to see how all this pans out. Yeah, and I would think that on this show, Karen, we probably get the announcement, or at least in the in the day or two afterwards, of the Best of the Super Juniors lineup, because that is starting May 15th. Um, there was a tease on Impact on Thursday night of Rocky Romero uh, stating he might be able to get Ace Austin into the Best of the Super Juniors. So obviously that was thrown out there for a reason, um, and to expect um, a, a wide range uh, of names potentially in this tournament coming up. Uh, but then, you know, after uh, Best of the Super Juniors, you have Dominion, and then it's the Forbidden Door card. So uh, that's kind of what's on the horizon for New Japan. Uh, do you see Okada riding through all of this, staying as champion, going into G1 season in the summer? Do you see any hiccups to that? Uh, I have a feeling Okada, because of the golden anniversary and everything that's going around with it, I think Okada is going to retain. Um, hopefully Naito's knees hold up. And I'm pulling for Naito to win the G1 this year. I don't know if it's going to happen just because, you know, we've, we've talked about it before where he's, he knows he's on borrowed time and that he's around that time where he's getting possibly ready to retire. So it's one of those things where they've already teased two months ago when he lost the first time that, well, you got to make your way back to the main event on January 4th, 2023. So it could be that Naito could stage a major upset and then maybe Okada has to be the one that tried to win the G1. We'll have to find out. And, we are going to wrap things up, though, with a, with a news announcement for post-wrestling. Now, we know that everyone is a huge fan of Karen Peterson's reports, her appearances on the site, as I can see here in the comments section. They always love when Karen comes on. So we are going to be adding a new edition, uh, Weekends, at postwrestling.com. So, Karen, do you want to divulge a little bit on what you're working on and what people can expect on Saturday uh, dropping on the site? You can share as little or as much as you would like. Um, I'll give a little bit of a tease. So, you know, with stardom, you may have noticed that there's been a giant influx of talent that aren't contracted to stardom that are coming in and, you know, having matches. So to help everybody make sense of it, including myself, I'm going to be launching a Joshi Digest. So on Saturdays on the Post website, you can pour your cup of coffee or whatever beverage of choice and learn a little bit weekly, a little roundup of what's going on. And yeah, maybe learn some things, maybe find some new wrestlers, maybe find some new promotions. Yes. Karen is going to be your navigational tool to the, uh, the to the Joshi scene at large. So uh, Saturdays at postwrestling.com, this will be a weekly feature uh, from the great Karen Peterson. So you can check that out. The the debut uh, dropping tomorrow, Saturday. So bookmark postwrestling.com and you can check out all of that. 
Uh, Wei Ting and I, we will be back Saturday afternoon for postwrestlingcafe.com members. You can also catch uh, new editions of Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure going through the Cruiserweight Classic uh, that took place Ooh. about five decades ago in wrestling years back in 2016, as well as up next, Braden and Davey reuniting in Canada, going through NXT and Dynamite. Always lots of great shows up on the site, and that is going to wrap it up for all of us. Karen, I want to thank you very much, and Stardom Report coming later today. The the analysis you need, the analysis you demand of the Cinderella final, that will be coming up on the site later today. So thanks to everybody for joining us, and we will be chatting with you on Saturday. 